And it's City Talk 105.9. A very good afternoon to you. My name is Mick Coyle and it's time for the legal surgery. It's when we get our resident solicitor here in the studio and here to answer your legal queries. Good afternoon, Mark Ellis. Good afternoon, Mick Coyle. I'm back. Lovely to see you. I missed you. It's uh, great to uh, have you here and even better for our listeners who've been emailing over the course of the week who will hopefully be looking for you to solve their legal problems on air this afternoon. And uh, they've been emailing in a whole host of different issues. I've got a stack of emails here that I've put together, collaborated, okay. and uh, hopefully between now and oh, well, next 20 minutes or so, we'll be able to uh, solve some problems, but also encourage people who have uh, questions to email in for next week's show. The email address never changes for legal surgery. It is simply surgery at citytalk.fm. Mark is from James Murray Solicitors, and he joins us each and every Thursday at 4.15. Today, courtesy of Jay, the taxi driver, the, the golfing taxi driver who gave me a lift down. Wonderful guy. He thinks the world of you, Mick. And he plays golf while he's driving a taxi? No, that would be that would be a handicap, wouldn't it? <laughs> Even for a golfer. You see what I've done there? That's, that's good, isn't it? Um, but anyway, he's a, he, he listens to your show every week, he's, he told me. Uh, excellent stuff. Jay, the taxi driver, uh, thank you for your... Uh, uh, input. For, well, basically, for your input, i.e., thank you for bringing Mark to the studios today to do the show. Yeah. Um, loads of stuff to, to get through, loads of questions. Mark, a big legal talking point of the day, of course, is uh, I want to say Ken Barlow, but of course, I mean, the actor who plays uh, the role of Ken Barlow cleared of all historic sex abuse charges uh, against him at Preston Crown Court. And these were charges that went way back from the 1960s and found not guilty today by a jury. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, as you rightly point out, Mick, you know, uh, historic offences. And the jury had to listen to the evidence of, of uh, various complainants and they clearly decided that there was doubt and they found um, Bill Roach uh, not guilty of all allegations. I'm sure he's he's very relieved. I think that the point that he made earlier today when he was acquitted was that there are no winners in this sort of thing. And I think that's that's very pertinent. It's it's quite right. There are no winners. He's been dragged through the mire. I'm sure he's incredibly relieved that it's all over, but, uh, but nevertheless emotionally drained, no doubt, uh, as are his family. And equally, I'm sure that the, the, the complainants who've given evidence and been cross-examined as well, they too, uh, you know, are not winners in, in this situation whatsoever. So, yep, doubt. I think there's always... You know, certain elements of doubt where the offences are so incredibly historic as these were. Um, and listening to the evidence of the, one of the witnesses, having without making specific reference to any particular part of the evidence, the way it came out and the way that they were cross-examined very carefully, I thought there was doubt from the outset. But clearly the jury took that view as well. Uh, if, a, if a case or evidence that comes to the fore, and it's coming to the fore for the first time, but it might be 50 years old, does a court deal with it as if it is happening or as if it as it as if it is new evidence or do you have to take into account that it was from the 1960s and that the passage of time may have had a, an impact on on the ability to remember certain facts oh absolutely look if someone makes an allegation it's as serious as you know he was facing very serious allegations that if he'd been convicted of he would have gone to prison but you know, if they are historic offences, and these are back in the 1960s, the prosecution have to take a view: is there a realistic prospect of conviction? And if there is, is it in the public interest to prosecute? And it's always going to be in the public interest to prosecute those sort of matters. Um, do the court bear in mind the passage of time? Yeah, absolutely. 
Of course they do. And people's memories are going to be affected by the passage of time. Uh, so that's a feature that, that, that clearly is going to be relevant for, for both the prosecution and the defence. Uh, we've got Mark Ellis with us. He is our resident solicitor here on City Talk 105.9. He's from James Murray Solicitors and he's here for the legal surgery. Answering your questions. Thank you to everybody who sent in uh, their questions. Uh, this one comes through. It says, please no names. My mum listens. It says, dear Mark and Mick, Recently on a bus journey from a night out, I was drunk and broke the back of a seat on purpose. I know it sounds stupid. Uh, basically, there were others involved. However, I do not know who, but my name was passed on to the bus driver who expects me to pay £140 for the new back of the seat. A steep price, in my opinion. Now, considering that this is totally out of court, I am under 18 also. Do I have the right to see a receipt for the damage? And any other points would be helpful from you. Thanks. So it appears that this is not happening within a, a court procedure or within the realms of a crime being committed, but it seems that, uh, that the, uh, the bus driver or the bus company are asking them to pay for the damage. Yeah, that's the first query I've got, really. Why is it the bus driver is asking for this? And as Mick rightly says, you know, it's the bus driver or the bus company if the company are asking for it. Then, look, beggars can't be choosers, I'm guessing, because what you're effectively admitting to in, in that uh, email to me and to Mick, it's Mark and Mick show, obviously, it is, isn't it? Um, that um, you've damaged something and you've 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 committed a criminal offence. In essence, you've committed criminal damage. You've broken the back of the seat on purpose, and you go on to say, "Well, look, there are other people involved." Well, the fact that there are other people involved doesn't matter. You've made that admission in the email. I have done something. So, if you weren't able to reach a compromise, one option for the uh, the bus company, if it is the bus company who are pursuing you, is simply to say, well, look, if you can't afford to pay us, that's absolutely fine, but we'll put it in the hands of the police and let them deal with it. And they will undoubtedly arrest you. Uh, if they know your identity and they know where you are, they'll identify you, take get you to the police station, and you may end up with a, with a criminal record, albeit, I take the point, you're a youth, the chances are, with an admission of the police station with no previous convictions, you'd probably get uh, you'd be dealt with by means of caution, and if that were not the case, then you may find yourself in a youth court getting a referral order. But the point I'm making, in essence, is, and it's not exactly rocket science, this thing could escalate. So you're saying, well, am I entitled to see a receipt? Well, there's no harm in saying, well, you know, how do you know it's 140 quid? But if they don't play ball and they don't show you the receipt and they, they're still demanding £140, I think what you do need is when you hand over the money that you ask for a receipt off them. Because if you are arrested at some point in time and the matter does progress, you may find the police saying to you, and they would be they could be acting, you know, in good faith and saying to you, Well, you you owe this bus company £140. And therefore you need proof that you've made that payment to the bus company. So if you're making that payment to them uh, as an agreement, as a formal agreement between the two of you to settle the matter, then make sure you get a receipt for the hundred and forty quid. Yes, of course you're entitled to receive to see receipts. Do you have to be given a receipt? Um, for, for the damage caused, for the repair of it? No, not necessarily. It's This is a compromise you're reaching with that company. They don't have to do it. They might do it out of a gesture of goodwill, but at the moment, it's you really on the back foot and you having to try and negotiate yourself out of this and, and moving away desperately from, from being nicked. So don't tell your mum for the time being, I suppose, if you don't want her to know. Clearly, you don't want her to know that um, you've you've emailed the show. Uh, but listen, just be very careful and think very carefully about your next action, which is you know reaching a compromise, but making sure you've got proof that you've made a payment. Surgery at citytalk.fm. If you've got questions for our resident solicitor, Mark Ellis, he's here each and every Thursday drive time to answer your legal questions. Uh, what about this one from Lee? He says, hi, I'm writing a film script based on a notorious person who is still alive. 
do I need his or her written consent? I don't think we've ever had a uh, a screenwriting question before. <clears throat> well, that's strange, because when I was at home penning the, the story of Mick Coyle, simply entitled My Time on the Airwaves, uh, and I got to Chapter 5, and I thought I'd better ask Mick if, he, if he'd be willing to, to agree. Of course, you edited certain things out, the, the naked story, the story of, of you being caught flashing, and that sort of thing. But by and large, Mick, um, you agreed. Now, in the real world... And in terms of, I'm joking, folks, he wasn't entirely naked. Um, but look, in terms of this particular thing, um, it's it, what I would say to, to Lee, if he's writing a, a script and he wants it to, to become public at some stage, you really do not need the problem of this person saying, well, you know, you are telling porky pies about me. That did not happen. And therefore, I'm going to um, sue you for liable and take you to the high court and sue you and the company that, that's producing this thing. So do you need him him or her uh, um, uh, sort of on side? I would suggest you do. And if only to get to get their valuable input. If you're writing a story about them, surely it's far better to get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And, and, and the fact that they're describing this person as notorious <coughs> makes you think that actually this person may have you may mm. be making or you may be saying things about them that uh, yeah. that they don't want in the public or may not want in the public or don't want on the public record in a in a play or a film or anything. Mick, you're absolutely right. That's that's you know you, you you've totally switched on to that point, and I totally agree with you. You've got to get that person on side, I believe, because if you don't, you may find not now. And if you're writing a script now in your bedroom or, or whatever, and, and no one's aware of it, then they're not going to be aware of it. But if this script takes off and you find a film company very interested in it, I would have thought the first thing that first that film company going to say is, "Well, have you asked Mr. X and or Miss Y if they've consented to this? Um, what sort of input have they had in it? Um, there's nothing stopping you, you know, writing these things, but if if this person thinks that what you're telling are uh, untruths uh, and that you're putting the wrong sort of spill on it, you may find litigation uh, commences as a consequence. So I think you've got to be careful. I think a letter just uh, you know, asking their permission at this stage, engaging with them, it might go an awful long way for the price of a stamp, you know. They might be incredibly um, um, pleased that somebody's taken a, the interest in their life to try and put a, a film about them. <laughs> You were pleased about my book, well, weren't I, you? I like the idea of that. Yeah. Uh, it's the Legal Surgery on City Talk 105.9. What about this from Gerard, who's emailed the show? He says, Dear Legal Surgery, my nan tripped on a broom left in a corridor in the block of flats where she lives. She got bruising to her leg, but we don't know who the broom belonged to or who would be liable as it was in a community space. Gerard. Well, I hope your nan's okay, Gerard. It's awful to hear that your nan's had bruising to her leg. And, you know, when you go on to a property, the person who owns the property owes you a duty of care to make sure that, you know, no accidents occur. Uh, I suppose if we're talking about a communal space, well, who's in charge of that communal space would be the argument. And it might be that if there was a landlord in charge of the communal areas, it might be that particular person. However, who has left the broom there? You know, that, that begs the question. It also begs the question, why didn't uh, Nan see it? Uh, it was there any particular reason why she didn't see it? Because if, if it's blatantly obvious and it's standing there uh, and she trips over it but she isn't looking, then, then Nan might be, you know, equally liable um, in some ways for, for the accident occurring. So I think you've got to be very careful. I, you've got to find out, of course, who's left the broom there and how long it was there for uh, and uh, and take it from there. It's going to be incredibly difficult, really, for Nan to sue anybody because if you, for instance, decided it was the landlord who was responsible, the landlord may say, well, how, how on earth was I to know that a broom was left there and why didn't Nan take action to, to move away from the broom? 
So lots of quandaries in all of that. I suppose the starting point for you is to find a good personal injury lawyer. I'm bound to say that my firm provides that, but I know Mick will also interject and say there are lots of other good personal injury firms that that, um, that deal with these matters and, and rightly so, Mick. You're self-editing now, Mark. I like this. Just, I'm like a Duracell bunny. You send me off and off I go and, and, and uh, the thing just works out, doesn't it, really? But anyway, hope that helps you. Good luck to Nan. I'm not trying to sweep that under the carpet. Um, I'm, but I'm just trying to um, just trying to be realistic for you and for now, Gerard. Uh, thank you for your email, Gerard. If you want to uh, pop your name on your emails, that's absolutely fine. Do send them into surgery at citytalk.fm. That's surgery at citytalk.fm. Uh, if it's a family issue that you don't want uh, people to know about in terms of it being you, uh, leave your name off or make it nice and clear. You want to remain anonymous. That's absolutely fine. No issues there whatsoever. Uh, the last thing we want to be doing is uh, is airing any dirty laundry in public. Uh, unless you want that to be the case. Uh, This one comes through anonymously. It says, Dear City Talk, I stopped two girls fighting, but one of the girls I restrained is saying that I broke her arm. Do I stand if the person has reported the incident to the police? Or where do I stand? I presume that means uh, if the person has reported the incident to the police, would I be in trouble? Well, if they reported it to the police, and I guess what they'll be saying is you've assaulted somebody... Um, the police, if, if a complaint's made, and the police have a, have a reasonable suspicion that an offence might have been committed, they're going to have grounds to come and arrest you. And if they take the view that you have assaulted somebody, so basically that your your actions, either intentionally or recklessly, cause someone to apprehend unlawful and immediate violence. Now, um, words alone can, can be an assault, or indeed, uh, once you've laid hands on somebody, that would then become an assault by beating. So, um, if you have laid hands on this person, what is the justification for it? And I'm guessing what you're saying is, well, I'm trying to split them up from fighting. So, you would, I'm anticipating, say, well, yes, I touched them and I grabbed them, but I used reasonable force, and that would potentially be a defence. For you to say, I didn't assault anyone, I'm simply trying to, to part the two girls from fighting. Now, if this girl is saying that you broke her arm, I suppose the issue would be, well, did you use reasonable force? If you didn't, if you've stepped over the mark, if you've, for instance, become aggressive yourself or angry during the the sequence of events that occur, and you overstep the mark and you use force that's unreasonable, then, you know, you might have assaulted somebody. And if you have broken somebody's arm, and I know at the moment you've got no medical evidence, you're just on on the say-so of one of the girls that, that the arm is broken. If you have done that, then you may find it difficult to say, well, actually, I use reasonable force. Alternatively, you might think, well, I didn't cause the breakage of the arm. It was her fighting with the other girl that did it. I don't know. I'm simply just looking at the whole gambit of things for you. Look, if you're fearful of the of the um, the police coming knocking on your door, and if you think you've done nothing wrong, why not simply contact the police now and report the incident yourself if you haven't done it? At least they've got their heads up that you're involved, that you feel it's appropriate to, to let them know at an early stage. And at least then you'll have the kudos. If you, if the police do want to speak to you on a further occasion about this, at least you'll have the kudos of being able to say to the police, listen, I did report this matter to you shortly after it, when it occurred. So you, you know my involvement and you know um, what exactly I was talking about when the incident occurred. So think about that, you know, striking while the iron is hot and making sure that the police know what your account is before any complaint is made. Look, you tend to find that people who say they're going to do things 
don't necessarily do it. Empty vessels make most noise and all of that. And it might just be this girl's trying to tap you up for a few quid uh, rather than actually going to the police station herself. Because bearing in mind, it sounds like if she's going to do that, she's going to have to admit that she was fighting herself and she might not want to do that. So one option really is sit back and do absolutely nothing and see if the police do come a-calling. But you may have some sleepless nights, you know, worrying about it. Alternatively, just contact the police and say you want a crime reference number and tell them what happened, when it happened, what you did, and at least then it's logged. And if you were to be nicked on a further occasion or interviewed, at least you can make reference to uh, to, to your call earlier. Okay. Uh, final question comes through uh, from somebody called LL, who's emailed the surgery, uh, surgery at citytalk.fm, the legal surgery here on City Talk 105.9. It says, Dear City Talk, I had a loan for a business 10 years ago. My business failed due to a heart attack. I presume this is the person who had the business, had a heart attack. Yes. Uh, I was taken to court by the bank in order to pay back £1 a month uh, due to I was, on the, I was on benefits. My circumstances haven't changed. Now I am being harassed as my bank has sold on the debt. I get letters and phone calls wanting money I haven't got as it was a court order to pay back £1 a month 10 years ago. Is this legal what they are doing? LL asks. Well, they've bought the debt and they might not be aware of the court order. So I think the first thing you've got, and it's probably the reason why the bank have sold the debt in the first place, that they're going to get it back at a pound uh, a month, which, uh, you know, if it's lots and lots of money, then it's going to take probably all your lifetime to pay it back, potentially. They're just trying to put the squeeze on you. And I think what, what I would do if I were you is, is if you have a copy of the order, the next time they contact you, just say, look, I've got a court order. The court determined the rate of payment way back when, uh, nothing's changed. And if they're not happy with that, then they'll return you to court for the court to look at your finances again. If they're saying, well, actually, you've now got further assets and we can pursue you, yet they can they can ask the court to look at it again. Um, but if, you're, if your circumstances haven't changed, then you simply refer them to the court order and let them uh, liaise with the court if they think it's necessary to have a rehearing of the case. But in terms of do you... Can they keep making the calls? They can. Can they still write letters to you? They can. And in just the same way that you can ignore them and you can stick the letters in the bin if you wanted to. You've got a court order there which speaks for itself. So offer them a copy of the, the court order or indeed refer them to the court that made the order in the first place and see where it goes from there. There we go. Uh, some good examples today of questions that you're, uh, we often get asked, which are questions which give people sleepless nights. Yes. Uh, questions which leave people really wondering. They're thinking, well, this something is going on and I'm not quite sure mm. what, and I could probably do with being a little bit more educated on that particular issue without yeah. wanting to go and bother their family solicitor on that very issue. I think you've, you've said it all there. I think you're absolutely right. These are good questions, good wholesome questions, aren't they? Uh, if you've got questions for next week's show, for instance, maybe you've had a, a speeding fine that you don't think was correct. Uh, maybe you've had a parking ticket you don't think it was fair. Uh, maybe you've got family matters that you want to get sorted. Maybe you've got issues about tenants that you want to get evicted. Mm. Or maybe you are a tenant and you've been evicted. You want to get our residents solicitor's advice. Mark Ellis is his name and he's back next week here on City Talk 105.9 on the legal surgery. Do send in your questions for next week's show. Uh, surgery at citytalk.fm. Mark Ellis uh, from James Murray Solicitors. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mexico.